Welcome. I'm Jessica Tejan, and this is the Evolving to Exceptional podcast, where we talk about reaching peak performance in our workplaces, homes, and communities so that we can live our best life possible, an exceptional life. Welcome back to this week's episode of Evolving to Exceptional. We have another amazing HR professional guest here with us today, Lauren Thomas. She is the human resource manager at Motor City Washworks. She holds a master's degree in human resources development and a certification in organization development from Villanova University. She has over 10 years of strategic development leadership, including inclusive and meaningful work experiences. And having gotten to talk to Lauren a little bit before the recording of this podcast, I got to know a little bit about the challenges that she's up against at her organization. She's fairly new to the organization and has already accomplished just a tremendous amount in that amount of time that she's been there. Lauren, I want to give you a chance to tell us just a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit about your current company and where you're working and why it is you do what you do, like what it is that makes you so passionate about the work that you do every day. So thank you, Jessica, for having me on as a guest. I obviously appreciate the opportunity. I started in human resources around 10 years ago. It was not something I went to school for. My undergrad is in public and nonprofit administration. I fell in love with volunteering and helping people in my community years ago when I was a child. And when I fell into this HR role in, it was just a human resources specialist. I'm learning new things. And I really felt that it gave me the opportunity, best of both worlds. I could help an organization grow, but I'm also watching employees as well as myself grow in my career. So it was just, it was a wonderful mix, a feel-good mix that I can see the growth in people and help them achieve new success. So. That's why I went into human resources, but I started out uh, in manufacturing and then moved to healthcare prior to COVID. Then COVID happened and I moved back to manufacturing in human resources. So when I got this opportunity with Motor City Washworks, it was a very small company. There's only 120 employees. And over the last year since I've been there, we've been able to double our employee base and increase our revenue by 30, 40% almost. So it's a wonderful strategic opportunity for me to, to use my knowledge and my education from Villanova and, and, you know, place that into the business and see people grow and develop and learn and make mistakes, but correct them and move forward. So that's why I love human resources. I, I want to highlight something here that people may have missed in what you just said, which is that you've been there about a year and you have doubled the size of the organization mm -hmm. and you're the only HR person, the primary person responsible yes. for all of that effort, for all of that work. And that is a tremendous amount of work. The number of interviews and activity you've had to do to do that growth you know, I think being in a manufacturing space, and I've been in that industrial manufacturing kind of world, that churn, that in addition to growth, you have churn because of the nature of the roles that you're trying to fill and the roles that you're creating there. What are some of the challenges that you've faced as you've been building this new HR function? 
So speaking of that, so as a new HR person to the company, it's a lot of strategic initiative. We're looking at the data and we didn't have data. So working backwards to pull some of the turnover and retention. And then now that I've been there a year, we have a really solid platform of turnover. And so I can tell you, we have probably 40% turnover, which is really low for manufacturing. But we do see that turnover in the first 90 days, right? So it's really getting these new hires acquainted. We have a huge portfolio of parts that we manufacture. So teaching and it's almost like a skilled trade. We manufacture car wash tunnels. So a lot of these parts are just, it's a niche. So training employees on it's a lot of information. So the challenge that we see is where does the training start and how to keep moving forward through it to retain these people. And so you have to do that through surveys and it is management. It's our job to ask the questions of the employees, work side by side. Not one of our managers is not in the field. Like I am out in the plant as well, working along with these employees to help them and asking questions, both personal and professionally, because that's growth in itself. So we look at a lot of that data when we're going forward, but the struggle is retention. It's just, we want better retention. We offer a very rich benefit package, but in the long grand scheme of that, it's figuring out, is that what the employee wants? Is that what they need? Do they want a career path? Do they not want a career path? And are they just happy coming to work? Or it's just finding an individual plan for each person, a roadmap per se. So I'm curious if you, now that you've been collecting data, I know you haven't been doing it for long, but now that you've been collecting some of that data, do you have a sense of what some of that cause for that turnover is? What is, what's motivating that? If it's not benefit and compensation, if the benefits are rich, what are the things that are creating or having people make those decisions? Yeah, I see in a lot of our voluntary turnover, we see that it's communication between essentially the management and the labor force and in that inclusivity, right? So we're just really looking to, I guess, be more open, more transparent. So we started doing quarterly town hall or plant meetings where we get all three buildings all together in one area. We serve lunch. We talk about our goals for the next quarter. We acknowledge employee of the quarter, manager of the quarter who had perfect attendance. Things like that have become more meaningful and those have helped. Just having the employee know that there's more coming, that we're talking about designing more benefits, maybe one day a tuition reimbursement or something along those lines. But a lot of that is an opportunity for the employees to see myself as well as a couple of our executives in that sense, shake hands and say the things that they need. It's really an open forum for them. And I love that you do that. And I think those, we used to have something similar. We called it employee engagement sessions. And they were just like sessions that got those chances to interact with leadership, to talk, talk with each other, to learn what each other's doing, to, to, to tackle some of those things that you're talking about. I think that's just such a powerful way to build and to create those connections. I was talking the other day in another podcast recording with a leader in a technology startup. And their technology is around essentially creating marketing campaign around the employee, the employee process. So the recruitment and hiring process. So similar to what you get when you're 
being marketed for other things, you would get email campaigns with information about the company and then onboarding campaigns to keep that like engagement and that interaction up. And the thing I really loved about that kind of mirrors what you're doing live in person is that creating of connection Mm -hmm. and that creating of meaningful connection that would keep people to stay longer. Do you see that some of these efforts are having an impact or have you seen any changes in terms of that turnover or is it just too soon to tell? No, I do. So I think what attracted me to Motor City Washworks is I actually interviewed while I was on maternity leave and I had my son sitting on my lap and I said, oh, I have a guest in the room. And they were okay with it. They were very happy to support that family-oriented, family-first always. So I think by the leadership designing a program or, I guess, departments that care about their employees, and it's always family-first, always. And our ownership believes that. They say, these employees are my family. So I think it really is top-down. And so when you have a leadership that has that mindset, it makes a world of a difference as it trickles down through the employees because they know that it's a safe place that they can come to and say, I just have a lot going on. I don't want my attendance affected and I don't want to be fired or I guess turned away from the company just because I have this one thing happening in my life. So it gives them an opportunity to feel that they can be vulnerable and come forward and we're going to support them. So I think that makes a huge difference in my organization, particularly for retention and then bridging that gap with communication. Because when we're in the ups and on a full swing and then those employees are there and they're dedicated and they're working the overtime and they're helping make sure our products are getting out on time because we wouldn't be able to do that without people. Yeah. And it is just that. And that's how our ownership feels is that they want to take care of our employees. Everyone's dedicated and is if they're mission driven and they see the vision of the organization and they see that the organization wants to grow, I think that's what drives our employees. I think that is so wonderful and so powerful. I ironically just got a phone call yesterday from a former employee, former colleague of mine. And I think I came similarly from a family run type of organization that with that environment, we'd talk about that we're a family and that was the type of relationship that we had. And leadership really treated people that way, really actually cared about what was going on with people's lives, would step in to help them when there were struggles and things like that. And I think sometimes those types of those family run type companies can get a bad reputation or can get, there can be like negative connotation around it, but there's a lot of positive. And when that employee reached out to me, and I think he just really wanted the support that he used to get from me as the leader in the HR and talent management space. And as he talked about how he's, I still consider you family, what you did and what the leadership was and was just so powerful and so positive about the efforts. And that's kind of a contrast, I think, to a lot of organizations and the reputation that HR has in organizations, mm-hmm. that a lot of times there's this negative or, oh, that's HR or that's HR's job. And it's not this collaborative, positive right. type of interaction. And, mm-hmm. and so it was, it was a great reminder for me of, oh, wow, look at the value. Like even almost two and a half years later, look at the value that this person is still sharing with me. 
that we were able to create in the HR space. And so like you starting out, I was the first HR person in that organization, really Mm -hmm. establishing and putting things into place. Mm -hmm. So how have you started to create that kind of reputation for value so that you have those relationships with people? Great question. So we have in Michigan, we have three facilities and I'm on site all five days within one of those buildings. So I truly take pride in making sure I know every single employee by name. I stop in, swing into an office and knock and say hello. It's important just to create that positive environment and take that negativity away. There's always work stressors. Sure, they can vent to me and I make sure that they know that they can vent to me, that I'm not just don't tell me anything because I have to be compliant or something. You can come to me about anything that you need. But the reality is how do we turn that negativity into something positive? So working with them to maybe see it from a different viewpoint or I ask questions back and then they're like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Or maybe that person that there is having a bad day too. It's just I take pride in an individual basis with each employee and visiting them in the lunchroom when they're all sitting there having lunch and talking about their families. And we've had an employee just had their fifth child and I was one of the first person they called. And that to me is very fulfilling. So I think if there's anything HR could do to create that value, it's just remembering what we are is human resources and we are there because everyone is a human and the humanity, it matters. People matter and their experiences matter. So I think just looking at it from a very simplistic way will create that reputation very naturally and organically in the organization. I I love that. And I think the center of what you're talking about is that human connection and taking that time to really know your people, to know who they are, know about their families, know about what they do well, what they don't do well. And it takes time. It takes time to build that up. But then as you do that, as you create those relationships, as you you create that trust, you create that authenticity that allows that open dialogue. And all of that is impossible if you don't have leadership that's committed to that type of culture. That's you as HR manager, but then also the rest of the leadership of the organization. And that makes such a huge difference. You've been, you've worked in a few different places before. Can you see a difference in, you know, from maybe your past experiences in being in this type of environment versus maybe some of the others? Yeah. Yeah. So I've worked for global companies where their CEO is not in the U.S., And so coming in, they don't know the employees' names. They walk through and they're on a mission specifically to one particular employee and they just, it's almost cold. And so I think what's important, at least where I'm at now and why I love Motor City so much, is that the CEO can walk through the plant and know the employees' names. And that's really, it's important. And and even on our second shift where he's not there very often, but he has stayed late at 10 o'clock and walked the plan and sits down and talks to them. And how are things going? They talk about, they talk about work. They ask the ideas of engineering and questioning things. If this is actually working, if this build is working. So it's really just, it's just caring, but I have seen it the opposite. And it 
there's turnover. And that's why I said, like, our turnover, yes, it's good. It's 40%. But at the same time, I know this company can do better based on the type of company we are. So, well, and, and 40% may be good in the manufacturing space, but it's still a really high turnover. That's still, you, you can cut a lot of cost mm-hmm. and add a lot of profitability and performance to the organization if you can reduce right. that, even just by a third. That's mm-hmm. going to make a big impact in the performance of your business. So your organization's been growing so fast, right? It's it, adding a doubling in size in a year is a lot. I've been there. I've done that. And it is, mm-hmm. it is, it is hard to do from an HR standpoint, put aside the actual business volume side, but actually just the transactional elements of everything that goes into that when right. as you've been going through that growth, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered or continue to encounter that you're encountering right now and mm-hmm. having to figure out how to navigate? So I think it's it's defining process and defining some functions, right? Some things that they could just ad hoc and get done if need be, but like a job description. We know we need this particular role in shipping, but we don't have it in writing to say, this is what this person is doing even though we're training someone right now to be doing those things. So for the employee, that can be frustrating to them because a lot of people are very visual. So if they can read what they're doing, then they understand and the training on top of it. So it's going back to those basics, putting in a solid structure. We put in an attendance policy, which we've seen a significant increase in, in in positive attendance, right? And a better PTO policy that tracks better and that's a little bit more generous and up to date. But at the same time, a lot of these things, I think, in a fast-growing company, slid aside. And now that I'm there, I can help pull it back in and reel that in and say, this is what the employees are asking for. This is what we could focus on. And here's a few options. And go from there, whether it's employee engagement surveys. I've talked about those for a year and we're now doing them. So this is what I think it's just finding the right time, like not all at one time. It's very staggered, very step process. And I present my goals for all of the year. Each year and I sit down with the executives and I ask, is there anything else you would like to see? They'll say yes or no, or they'll put something on there that I didn't even think of. And that becomes a priority. And it didn't, we just refocus. I have to understand the business growth to support having a certificate in organization development isn't, it's not just transactional HR anymore. It is supporting the finance team and it is supporting the business ops team purchasing and so forth and, and figuring out what they need out of the employees to be successful, like you said, on the growth of the business operations as well. So I think that's probably been our hardest struggle is really defining things and defining those processes. But that that comes with time. And I think the organization is doing a fantastic job at doing it. And they have found great managers and put like a mid-level management team in that's really helped organize that, especially in our plant operations. So let's talk a little bit about that because the interesting thing about manufacturing is, and this is fairly obvious, right? People have to be there to do manufacturing. There's no remote work manufacturing. 
And so it really does require their in-person activity and an in-person job. And there's so much talk in the marketplace about remote work and what to do and whether to make people be in or out and how you attract talent who doesn't want to be in the office. I'm just curious a little bit about your experience with that, being that when people apply to a job, they know that it's going to be in person because it's a manufacturing job. But if you've seen or had challenges around that or what your experience has been there. Yeah, I think plant operations wise, like if you're applying to a CNC operator role, you have to be there to run the machine. So I think the skilled trades, we don't see the request of, oh, I, I need to work from home, obviously, because they're skilled trade and they know their job role. But we do see it in some of the administrative roles, some flexibility. Myself is one of one of those employees. And we have other employees, right, that live wide a bit away that are coming in and driving an hour in to work just to be in the facility. During COVID, the administration was remote. I wasn't there at the time. But now we do ask that everyone is in facility. So we don't have a lot of remote other than our sales team. They're scattered throughout the U.S. depending on where they're at. Right. But other than that, I see it more administratively. Like we've had, we had a marketing specialist position open for quite some time. And that particular role was very hard to fill because most applicants wanted remote and only remote. And it wasn't really an option for us because that role was going to be one, doing all of our digital content. So they needed to be there to take video and pictures and post it about the employees or about the company and social media. Those are like that role we really needed on site. So it took us a long time to fill that role and to find someone that had that really, I guess, honed in experience on social media. But then same thing, maybe accounting, we have the flexibility. So with administration, they they do allow the flexibility if you have a doctor appointment to maybe work from home in the morning and then come in the afternoon, something like that. But I haven't had a lot of pushback from employees. I think because they know the company is going to support them, that they're going to support the company with whatever the company needs. So when they say, no, we need everyone in five days a week, everyone's there five days a week. So I think it just says it goes back to that leadership and our leadership is on site. So if our CEO and vice president are on site working, it's I think it's just expected, right? Yeah, so. it makes a difference that they're visible and present as well. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious because I think this kind of segues well into some of that, the balancing of the challenges that we have, the experiences that we have, and finding that right blend and how you do that, you know, especially given the amount of workload that you've had as your first year in a growing business in an HR, brand new HR function within that business, and having to balance some of your life challenges and the things that you have in your life, and how you do that. How do you find a way to make sure that, that one isn't trumping the other? Communication is huge between myself and my supervising team. And I report to a few. <laughs> so I am very open about what's going on in my life. One, I'm a single mother and it's 
rewarding all the way around. My son has medical problems and concerns, and he's had a few surgeries. And But having, again, having that organization that really just understands family first has really made a big impact. But I sometimes when I'm sitting at home and, and I have my laptop on my lap and my daughter's mom, pay attention to me. And there is that balance, right? To where you don't burn out and because burnout's real and it can, it can reflect poorly both in your personal life and your professional life. If I'm burnt out and I'm having a bad day, maybe it's just better I take a PTO day, right? Instead of going into work and still feeling that pressure building up and where I might say the wrong thing. So to the wrong person that day. So I think I think that's just learning and experience throughout your career. Sometimes you run straight in the wall and you have to back up and go around the wall. It's just it's one of those things you have to figure out and make mistakes. And uh, but I think balance ultimately, it depends on your organization and your leadership and what you want and how open you are with your leadership. I was very honest because I also came from another company that I was working like 70 hours a week. I had to work nights. I had to work weekends and I had to be on site all through COVID in HR. So it was very, it was a very trying time for me, which is ultimately why I started to look for a new position. And I took that opportunity when I interviewed to say, these are the things that I really need to be successful And I want to get there. And I was struggling to finish my master's degree. I just couldn't get through that like last course. And finally, I I just kept putting it off. I didn't even enroll for it. And then with Motor City's help and support, they knew that I was taking that last night class. They knew that I was going to be flying out to Pennsylvania to go walk. And it was a lot of support and hugs. My my owner gave me a hug and said, congratulations on your graduation. So I think it just, I think it just depends on the company you're in and it's possible you can find those companies. And I just don't think anyone should settle for anything less. So because your experience in human resources matters just as much as the employees that you are helping succeed, you, you matter. You shouldn't settle for that. I think that's a really powerful message for people to take in that there are plenty of great workplaces out there and not to settle. If the Mm -hmm. workplace is not providing you the joy, the fulfillment, the care, the consideration, the connection that you want and need in your life, then find another one because they Mm -hmm. exist. And clearly Motor City Wash Works is one of them. And especially if you're in the manufacturing skilled area or send them a message because they're certainly hiring and and clearly a phenomenal place to work and a phenomenal leadership and environment that Mm -hmm. is worth giving some serious kudos to because I think there is there is a lot that is not like that. Now, there are a lot that are that are not of that type of environment. It's true. It's true. And a lot in the manufacturing space, a lot of the they're big, they can be very big companies, global. But I think what I love about ours is that they want to keep it that family structure. They they want to get big, too. But they still want to. We we have a medical plan that's 100 percent coverage, zero dollar deductible all the way down. It's a true 100 percent in plan. And you haven't seen any of that pre the recession in 2008. Like that, it's not even a plan that anyone offers anymore. And so when we were putting that together to be able to provide that, 
it was big. It was a big talk. And the owner said, I want to take care of these employees like they're my family because I want a medical plan that I can provide to my own family and be proud of. And these employees are my family. That's what we're going to do, Lauren. And so it was the cost wasn't a consideration. He wanted it really to be a good plan. He wanted people to be well taken care of and healthy and you name it. We we have it. So well, in, in, in a world where. And I know this, like where healthcare and healthcare companies and benefit plans are, there's almost constant pressure to reduce offerings, to limit what medications you can get, to limit what coverage exists. And now more than ever, we've had met, we've had prescription drugs shortages. We've had huge shifts in terms of what you can get access to and what you can't get access to. And those decisions are often made based on financials, not on the true need. And the number of times I would often get into to disagreements because there's this belief that if uh, two medications are supposed to create the same results, like two medications are supposed to have the same, be able to serve the same need, that they're the mm-hmm. same. And they're actually not the same. They work differently and they impact people differently. And so you, when you say, okay, you can't get this one anymore this year. Now you have to have this one. And then the next year it like switches back. You really mess with people's health and with what what they can have and what they can use. And so being able to offer that and have that and then having a leader that says, I'm going to make this decision because it's right, not just based on money or based on on what would be best for, quote unquote, the business overall is a really powerful lesson for what it means to be a really human centered workplace. Yeah. I agree 100%. I feel very blessed to be there and to be part of something that is going to impact hundreds of lives and families. And it's just, it's a really great experience at this point in my life. I'm very blessed for to be a part of Motor City and their family. And yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so I want to ask, I love to ask this question. If you could bring anything, if you could bring something to your business right now, and so many things are going right, but there's always something more that we want to do. If you could bring something to your workplace, to your business, what do you think that it most needs right now? What would really bring it value at this point? To bring value, there's a few things, right? I think we have great medical benefits, but I would like to bring more of a wellness program in for the employees and their families and have something that can hold them accountable and just really show them how to use their benefits to their the most potential. There's so many aspects of our benefits that go unused, and this is in any organization every year, right? But really helping employees understand what's available to them all the time and consistently is another one of me would be great. So I have more time to do that. I would really like to focus in certain aspects. That's part of my goals, right? So is to teach and train. And right now I'm utilizing the managers in a lot of that aspect and teaching them what does it mean to be on a leave of absence and what are the requirements and things that they wouldn't normally be involved in. But the reality is they are involved because the employee they're the first person the employee goes to you on the floor. So just to help employees understand or know where the resources are. So it's really just training. A really good training program would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I so appreciate you coming on, Lauren. There's so many amazing things that your organization's doing that you're doing. I'm so impressed by the amount of progress you've been able to make in such a short time. I'm curious if you've got any final thoughts or final input you wanna you wanna share as we wrap up this episode. I do. I think that an employee's experience is number one and it should be just as fantastic the moment you enter an organization and the moment you exit. Your exit should be just as great as your entrance because that employee eventually will become an ambassador for your company. And you don't want them saying negative things. You want them to talk about their good experiences. Those should outweigh any bad experience that they've ever had through the organization. So just remembering that, I think if anyone is in human resources or management and has any employees under them, I think that's the most important piece is remembering the humanity in in the organization and respect. <laughs> I I love that. And I think I think it's just such a testament to the value of organizations that do that and HR leaders who embody that humanity and connection-based leadership over the rigid rules or the kind of HR of the past. And I think you're doing just a fantastic job. And I'm excited to see what continues to happen with you and with your organization and how it continues to grow and bring just tremendous value to its employees. And so as always, as we wrap up this episode, I just want to remind our audience to just Always remember to just keep evolving, keep growing, keep expanding yourself, and you will find everything that you are looking for. Have a wonderful rest of your day. 